Today is our last message for the casting vision that we've done for several weeks. We've been in a series called, Lord, how can we be more useful to you? Can we say that together? Lord, how can we be more useful to you? And today is the final message. And I've entitled it, this is very important, From Vision to Action. From Vision to Action. Without a vision, or the Amplified says, a revelation from God, the people perish. In other words, no one knows what to do unless, now there are steps in receiving a vision. You have to ask for a vision. God, give me a vision of your will for my life. There are all kinds of prayers you pray about vision. Father, give me a vision for your will for 2020. So you don't just pray about vision one time. I often have prayers come up in my heart about vision because I want my footsteps ordered of the Lord. I don't want to be doing just what seems right in my own sight. I want the Lord to give me revelation of his will. And so it's important to pray Church, it's a, here's the thing about re, receiving a vision. You have to hear. There is no question. You have to hear from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only speaks in agreement with the Word of God. So, you know, a scripture I've been praying and believing, and I prayed it many times, is Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call unto me. See, you have to ask. And I will answer you. The Lord promises that he will answer us. Jeremiah 33.3, if you can get it up there, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, in the Amplified, that great and mighty things is things which are fenced in and hidden, which you do not know. And so it's so vital. God knows what I don't know. In fact, God knows everything. So why would I not call unto him? So I ask God for vision. I have to be willing to hear what he would say to me, impress me, show me, reveal to me. I have to have a hearing heart. And then church, I, I have to begin, I, I often pray this prayer. Okay, Father, I, I hear you. Now show me what that looks like in your sight. So you have to use thinking, and imagination in receiving a vision. You don't just keep doing the same old, same old, same old thing 
and get a new thing. So you have to think bigger and think wider and think higher and think deeper, not on the surface, not trying to copy what other people are doing. Church, are you with me? Not trying to be like other people because church, God's told them to do something different than he's told us to do. So we have to be able and willing to hear from God. And, and then you be, say, Lord, show me what that looks like. Help me understand how to implement, how to act upon what you're showing me. And then, church, there's prayer. It takes prayer to fulfill vision. But you don't just stay in prayer. I believe it takes meeting. We meet together. For example, the round table meets together. We begin to speak what the Lord has shown us. And what does the Bible say? Iron sharpens iron. And you begin to see th new things. And you begin to come into agreement and unity concerning the will of God. But then eventually you move from all the steps of receiving vision and believing for vision to actually acting upon vision. Now I've got several important statements to make to you today. In fact, they're very important. I could tell God worked with me in this message and he wants to bring understanding so that each one of us can enjoy increase in 2020. Vision comes from knowing that there is one who wants to change our lives and make them better. If we believe that and we understand that, we serve the living God and he knows us. He wants to work in our lives and make our lives better. Put your hand on your heart and say, God knows me and he wants to make my life better. You know, it's very important to believe that, that God is a good God and he knows you and he loves you and his desire is to be good to you and he will be good to you. So vision comes from knowing there is one who wants to change our lives and make our lives better. His name is Jesus. Can everyone say his name is Jesus? He's your personal Lord and Savior, and he wants to make your life better. Here's another statement. Vision is a revelation of what the future could be that inspires hope. Vision is a revelation of what the future could be, and it inspires hope. We begin to hope. We have an anticipation. What is hope? Hope is an anticipation that things will change in 2020. Another statement, vision 
from God can bring impact and transformation. Vision from God can bring impact. In other words, vision impacts your life and it has the power to impact and transform other lives as well. And then I was just sitting, meditating on today's message. And, you know, this didn't come from the dictionary. But it rose up in my heart. I quickly got on my iPad and wrote this out. This is a little different. But here's what came up in my heart. Vision is a piece of heaven. of God's original intention for us that he wants to restore. Let me say that again. Vision is a piece of heaven. Aren't we supposed to pray, church? May it be on earth even as it is in heaven. So vision is a piece of heaven of God's original intention for us that he wants to restore. In other words, when Adam and Eve sinned and fell from the glory of God, God's original purpose was that it would be on earth and God created it that way. Even as it is in heaven, earth was glorious. The Garden of Eden was just absolutely glorious. So when we receive a vision from God, it is a piece of heaven, of God's original intention for us that he wants to restore. So as we believe for vision and as we in faith act upon vision, It is the Spirit of God working in us and through us to restore his original intention, his original purpose and will. Vision is a part of his original plan and design for us when he looked at everything he had created and said, this is very good. He looked at everything. And he said, this is very good. And God wants at the end of your life to be able to look at your life. And you, we have so believed him and so, received so much revelation from heaven, vision from heaven. We've walked by faith in what was revealed to us that at the end of our lives, each one of us could say, and God can say about our lives, this is very good. We don't end, come to the end of our life with bitterness, regrets, all the hopes were dashed, uh, we die, uh, you know, in pain and so much hurt and and all of those things. No, by the time, if we'll cooperate with the Holy Spirit, when we come to the end of our life, we can say, 
this has been very good. God's been very good. He's been so faithful. And God has that testimony about our life. A vision from God is the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring us to God's original plan and purpose. Listen, to bless us and make us a blessing. It was God's original plan and purpose to bless us and make us a blessing. So a vision from God is the work of the Holy Spirit to restore us to God's original plan and purpose to bless us and make us a blessing. Many people have vision. Many people talk about vision. In fact, they can talk at length about vision. They can describe their vision. They're excited about their vision, but they are unable to put their vision into action. It's talk, it's excitement, more talk, more excitement, but the vision is never put into action. And church, uh, to execute a vision calls for divine order. You don't have a vision fulfilled when your life is out of divine order. Because when your life is out of divine order, it hinders and grieves the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's very, very important that we move beyond having a vision so that we put our vision into action. And I want each one of us to purpose that in 2020. Things we've dreamed about, things we've talked about, things we've even had meetings about. Now we are going to move into a higher level of action. Everyone say action. Hallelujah. And for that action to be successful, there must be Divine order in our lives. Divine order includes discipline. Oh my goodness. Divine order includes discipline. Your life will not be in divine order without discipline. Church, divine order includes faith. It's not having your own plan, but it is believing to walk in the will of God every day. Divine order takes obedience to the word of God. To walk in divine order means my footsteps are ordered of the Lord. I'm walking in obedience to his word. Vision won't work unless you work the vision. If you're going to write anything down, write that down. Vision won't work. Unless you work the vision. In other words, for a vision to be fulfilled, you can't just have a vision and sit back and wait on God to do it. A lot of people, you, you talk to them about the things of God and their reply is, I'm just waiting on God. 
And my reply to that person would be, and God is waiting on you. Yeah, he's waiting on you to become obedient. He's waiting upon you to act. Hallelujah. And get your act together. Everyone say, get your act together. How important that is for a Christian. Now, I'm using secular language, but Pastor Davies, I think we get the point. Get your act together. Do you agree? Does that translate? Tina, can you say that in Kiswahili? Get your act together. I'll use slang. Okay. Jipange. Jipange. Jipange Church. So if I translated Jipange, that would be get your act together. Oh, I'm adding that one to my small but powerful Kiswahili vocabulary. Hallelujah. Vision won't work unless you work the vision. In other words, there is so much work involved in fulfilling a vision. It's not just talk. It's not just prayer. It's not just sitting before God and imagining things could be this way or that way. Fulfilling a vision takes work. It takes obedience. And I want us to look today at some very critical elements where fulfilling a vision is concerned. We're believing for increase in 2020. And God will bless us with increase as our hearts lay hold of the heavenly vision that we receive from him and as we work that vision. I want us to talk a little bit about the prophet Haggai today. I really received some insight that I believe the Lord once spoken today from the book of Haggai, remember he was a prophet in the days when the Jewish people were in Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar had sacked Jerusalem. I believe it was 571 BC. Anyway, he had attacked Israel. He had sacked Jerusalem and taken captives away to Babylon. Haggai is among those captives. And then um, they were released by the power of God and they began in companies returning to Jerusalem. And Haggai was among the early ones to return and they had an assignment and that was to rebuild the temple. So this was the assignment, and they started well when they first returned to Jerusalem. They built an altar, they made a few sacrifices, they even laid a foundation, and then they quit building. And so their enemies began to mock them. Who do you think you are? You're poor, you're raggedy, you've been captive uh, in Babylon for decades, and church they returned with very little so they didn't look like much how many of you know you may not look like much today but God still has a plan for your life 
Hallelujah. And so they didn't look like much, and their enemies began mocking them and laughing at them as they uh, initially began rebuilding the temple. And so because they were mocked and laughed at, they quit building the temple. And I want to mention three problems that the Jewish people were, you know, falling to uh, that are common attacks of the enemy when someone is endeavoring to fulfill a vision. Number one, this was the number one problem with the Jews who initially returned to rebuild the temple, and just after a little while, they stopped. Number one is they were disinterested. Disinterested. In other words, church, they had the wrong priorities. They started building the temple, but really what they wanted to do more than anything else was build their own houses. They wanted to build their own houses more than they wanted to obey the word of the Lord to rebuild the temple. So they were really dis interested and it was easy to get them discouraged out of position and actually into disobedience their enemies mocked them for rebuilding the temple so they stopped and decided they would start building their own houses the temple lay in ruin for years read Haggai 1 the temple lay in ruin for years while the people were occupied with other things. And their excuse was, it's not time. It's not time yet to rebuild the temple. It's not time. I'll tell you when it's time, it's when the word of the Lord comes. When the word of the Lord comes, it's time. And so they were lying to themselves because they had the wrong priorities. They were disinterested. Benjamin Franklin. Has anyone in here ever heard of Benjamin Franklin? Yes, there are a few of you. Great. Well, he, he's an American forefather, and he wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. Go ahead and write that down. That's, that's a really important statement. I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. In other words, if you're a king at making excuses, we know you're useless for anything else. Yet we've been praying, Lord, how can we be more useful to you? Don't make excuses. A person who is going to have vision fulfilled and be used by God to fulfill vision doesn't make excuses. They do whatever it takes. Now, this is someone, this has to be the attitude of someone who is fulfilling a vision. So they were disinterested. That was their main problem. They would rather have been doing other things. Now, the number two problem 
with the people in Haggai's day and in other generations as well, is that rather than believing the word, the prophets, and that God would help them do his will, they were discouraged by other people. So their number two problem was discouragement. Discouragement. So number one, they were disinterested. God's will was not their priority. Number two, they were discouraged. Even after Haggai began prophesying and they began rebuilding the temple, many of the ones who had seen Solomon's temple, in other words, these would have been older people, they would look at the efforts in Haggai's generation and said, this is pitiful compared to Solomon's temple. Church, let me give you a piece of sound wisdom. Don't ever compare and compete with others. You'll never get anything done for God because everyone's beginning is small. We don't know what all God is doing even with our own efforts. We don't know how God is using Victory Faith Church. We don't have the whole picture. Never compete. Never compare yourself. That is a sin. What should we do then? Be obedient to what God is directing you to do. Be concerned with your own obedience. That's a big enough issue right there. Thank you. I have one in agreement with me. Be concerned about your own obedience. Not comparing yourself to what other people are doing. That's not faith. When you're comparing and competing, that's not faith. Are you with me, church? And number three, so number one, they were disinterested. Number two, they were discouraged. And number three, they were dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. After Haggai prophesied to them that God would help them, they expected very quickly that all their years of disobedience, years and years of disobedience, years and years when they were not active in the will of God, they expected God to wipe that away within just a few days and do big things and bring them big blessings and give them big breakthroughs. So they were dissatisfied and they had the attitude, after just a few days, where's God? Where's God in all this? Why, why isn't he coming through with us? They thought that very quickly all their years of disobedience and inactivity and doing what was right in their own sight, it would be wept, uh, wiped away and they would be overcome. That's a wrong motive. That's a wrong motive for obedience. That's a wrong motive. You know, one of the prophets said, though the fig tree withers and though the vine fades and though the cattle die in the stall, 
yet I will praise you. Yet I will walk with you. You don't base your obedience on what's happening around you. You don't base your obedience on, God, if you don't bless me and bless me quick. What an ungodly attitude. That is so ungodly, it is so immature, and it is not of faith. Pastor Davies, am I being too strong? You know, I can say this because I've been through all these stages. Remember, I'm older than you are. I've been through all this. I've had God deal with me about my expectations. Not that God's trying to disappoint us or not live up to our expectations, but there's divine timing. There's divine timing. See, the primary thing is the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That's the primary thing God's concerned about. He's, he doesn't want immature children. He wants grown-up believers who are able to take responsibility and carry a vision of his will in their generation. And church, you have to be strong to do that. You cannot be impatient. Where is God? Why hasn't he blessed us? Well, I've been coming to church for two weeks. I've given my tithe two weeks in a row. Where is my breakthrough? But Pastor Davies, do you know people can have that attitude? And after two weeks, they can be thoroughly depressed and on the floor, and we almost have to raise them from the dead. They're so discouraged. And so that the people had three problems, church. They were disinterested. Hallelujah. They were discouraged and they were dissatisfied. Where is God? Why hasn't he come through for, for me? Why isn't he doing more for me? Now we've got three solutions to these three problems. Do you want to hear the three solutions? First of all, everyone say disinterested. That was too weak. Go ahead and say it louder disinterested, discouraged, and dissatisfied. Yes. So now let's hear the three solutions. Number one is put God first in your life. That will take care of being disinterested. When anyone is disinterested, I know God is not number one. He is not their priority. We have to have our priorities straight in order to have the blessing of God active in our lives. Knowing God and doing his will, whatever it takes to fulfill his will, whatever sacrifice, whatever demand, we should be willing because pleasing God is our chief aim. Doing his will is our chief aim. So church, we should not allow difficulties, attacks from the enemies, or even personal desires or selfish pursuits to get us off course of fulfilling God's will in our lives. 
unless we put God first, we will be inconsistent in our obedience. Inconsistent in obedience means unreliable. Unreliable. Inconsistent means you don't have your priorities straight. If you don't have your priorities straight, you will easily become disinterested in fulfilling the vision of God. So, answer number one is put God first in your life. Number two, believe his promises. Believe the word of God. All vision from God is based on the revelation of his word. And so when you believe his promises, that strengthens you against discouragement. All of us can be discouraged every day for the things that have not yet happened that we're believing for. But as we believe the word of God, the Holy Spirit goes to work strengthening us and restoring us. You want to experience this every day, church, that the Holy Spirit of God is active in your inner man, in your thoughts, in your motives, <clears throat> and in the intent of your heart, restoring you to God's original purpose for your life, which is to bless you and make you a blessing. That is the will of God for your life. From the beginning, it's been God's will to bless you and make you a blessing. And when we believe the word of God and obey it, then we will enjoy increase in the blessing of God. And then answer number three, four, discouragement, dissatisfaction, and so forth. Number three is honor his name. This has to be major in your heart that you honor the name of the Lord. That means when we're fulfilling a vision, we want to do our best for God in all things. In other words, church, we want to do everything we do in excellence. And that is what this ministry strives for. We fall short, but it's our goal. We're not saying we're the best at anything, but we want to be the best at fulfilling the vision God's given us to do. When I say be the best, that's not competing with anybody else. If anything, it's competing with ourselves that we do better in 2020 than we did in 2019. But we don't have our eyes on others. We have our eyes on the Lord. And so... Everything we do, we want to honor the name of the Lord. And that means we do it in excellence. In Matthew 5 and verse 16, in the Amplified Bible, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Everything we do, we want it to honor God, glorify 
glorify God. Look at that again. People look at our good deeds and they recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we put God first. That means we get our priorities right. Church, if your priorities aren't right, you won't fulfill a vision. We believe the word of God. If you don't believe the word of God, you won't fulfill a vision. God watches over his word to fulfill it. And we honor his name. We do everything we do with the motive of recognizing, honoring, and glory, glorifying our Father who is in heaven. And I want to bring one more point about vision to you right now. When God gives any person, any church, or any people a revelation of his will or a vision, it will take finances. You have to finance the vision. I don't have time to teach on this at length today. But when the people of Egypt, uh, the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt and they went into the uh, wilderness, God said to Moses, build me a tabernacle. They had a vision. Build me a tabernacle. And where did Moses get all the things to build the tabernacle of Moses? Well, remember when the people were delivered out of Egypt, they took the wealth of Egypt on their backs and walked out of slavery. So Moses went to the people and he said, whoever is of a willing heart, bring an offering for the tabernacle. And you know, uh, I don't have time to teach all of this today, but the people brought so much that Moses had to say to them, don't bring any more, we have more than enough. And actually, from the days of Moses, I've never heard another pastor or leader say, don't bring any more, we have more than enough. I think in all the history of mankind that has only happened one time. But it just shows you where does the provision for fulfilling a vision come from? God blesses his people with favor. God increases his people even with money and goods to enable them to fulfill the vision that he gives them. So it's a wonderful thing to be attached to a vision. It's a wonderful thing to be in a church where there is a vision. And when you attach yourself by faith to that vision and you say, Father, I want to be used in fulfilling this vision, God will go to work to bless you, to make you, a blessing. That's the way God fulfills a vision. In the day when David wanted to build a tabernacle for, for the Lord and said, no, David, you've shed blood, but your son Solomon will build a tabernacle or a temple for me. What did David do? He provided for the building 
of the temple of Solomon. Not just David, but all the people. They brought so much wealth. Church, it was in the billions of dollars. If you put it in American money, hundreds of billions of dollars that they brought for the building of the, of the temple of Solomon. And so financing the vision of God is a large part of our faith in fulfilling the vision. I want to share two scriptures from the book of Haggai. Remember, these people had not been obedient to fulfill the vision of God. And they were discouraged and they had spent their money on other things. They had built their own house, houses instead of fulfilling the vision of God by built, rebuilding his temple. <clears throat> and so God began to speak to them. They had come to the point they didn't really believe there was anything they could do for God. They would just look at themselves and they had, they had the attitude, what can we do for God? We're not able. We don't have the money. We don't know how to do it. It was just one excuse after another. And so God spoke to them in Haggai 2 and verse 8. And he said to them in church, we need to hear this today. We need to hear this in the nation of Kenya where there are genuine economic challenges. But God said by his spirit, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Father, uh, people, we don't have to lie, cheat, steal, steal give kituki dogo, uh, go under the table, around the table, behind the curtain, pay this one off. Pay that one off. Pay the other one off. We don't have to do that. If we'll put our eyes on God for the provision, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Believe me, the ways of God are more powerful than the corruption of men. Do you hear me? The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. So they received the word of the prophet. And that kind of, you know, they were walking around like this. They kind of straightened up. And they got busy. And they began rebuilding. And, but things weren't happening. Things weren't turning around fast enough for them. So they were also dealing with discouragement. And God said to them in the midst of their discouragement in Haggai 2.19, Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet yielded fruit. But from this day I will bless you. Church, I'll tell you I was reading that and Pow, that just went off in my heart. You don't have to wonder about it. When you get your priorities straight and you begin to yield and believe God to fulfill the vision that he has given to you and to this house. I'm not saying church is the only place you'll give. Please understand me. There, there are 
personal things God gives you vision for, but it's also good to be involved in the vision of the local church. And so God was telling them, uh, I know you don't see many results yet. In fact, most of your fields aren't even planted. Your trees have not yet borne fruit. I know things haven't quickly turned around for you, but church, every turnaround works by faith. Everything in God, everything you're going to receive from God, it will take your active faith, not accusing God, not saying, God, where is your blessing? Not having a negative attitude. Oh, no, no. God made this promise from the day you get your priorities straight and the day you begin to believe the word of God and the day you become dedicated to fulfilling the will of God and you say, God, I'm in this with both feet. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking to the right. I'm not looking to the left. My eyes are on you. I believe for your will. I believe for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. God says from the day you take a stand of faith, from this day I will bless you. Hallelujah. So what, when the day came and they faithfully committed themselves to God and to his will, he promised, I will bless you. Church, God's blessings cannot be earned. We don't deserve a single blessing. So they cannot be earned. Do you know I've actually heard believers say, I deserve this. You know, one time I said, oh, you have a new car. I said this to a believer. In fact, it was actually a church leader, not here, not in this nation. And uh, so I, I know no one would say that in Kenya, but they did say it in the United States. I said, oh, that is such a nice car. And the woman looked at me and said, we deserve it. Yeah, I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, thank you for letting me see that. Because, church, we don't deserve one thing, but God's blessing comes because he is good. God's blessing comes because he loves us. He, he has a generous nature, and he wants to bless us as we yield to him as we agree with him, as we obey him, as we work in faith, I promise you the blessing will come. So the greatest, highest blessing church that any of us can receive is the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have received Jesus in here today? That's the highest, greatest most marvelous, magnificent, mighty blessing you can ever receive. All the others will follow when you put God first. You believe his word. You become obedient and yielded to him. 
God's blessings cannot be earned, but his blessings come from his goodness and generosity. He will also bless us with provisions now. See, in receiving Jesus, God has provided for our eternity. We know where we're going in eternity. But there we've received Jesus. He's provided for our eternity. Will he provide for us now? Church, will God provide for us now? If he's provided for us in eternity, will he provide for us now? He will. He will bless us now. I'm so encouraged that our God is Jehovah Jireh. This is one of his most important names. Everyone say Jehovah Jireh. The Lord our provider. Say the Lord our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And the most important reason he provides and blesses us is so that we can be a blessing. It's, it's important to understand why God blesses us. He's good. He's generous. But he blesses us to be a blessing. He does not bless us just to become wealthy and keep it all to ourselves. God blesses us to be a blessing. Church, God blesses us so that we can further his kingdom. That's very important to know. Again, he does not bless us just so we can boast we deserve it. Are you with me? But he blesses us to further his kingdom. God blesses us to make us a blessing to others so that we can help those who are hurting. We can raise orphaned and vulnerable children as our own children and so that we can reach out to those who do not know God. God. In other words, God blesses us so that we can fulfill the visions of his heart. Hallelujah. The more we have God's blessing, God's vision for blessing and prospering his people, the more prosperity we will experience when God's people are committed to him, when he is number one in our lives, and when God's people are committed to building his kingdom, listen, the more prosperity we will experience because he will give us more and more of his vision to fulfill. It's important to understand God does not bless us so we can be boastful. No, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. When God's people are committed to him, and when we're committed to fulfilling the visions, plural, that he gives to us, the more prosperity he will give us because we are committed to seeing the vision fulfilled. No matter, listen, I want everyone to listen to this. No matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, you may have one of the worst backgrounds we could ever hear about. 
But no matter what your background is, no matter what your skin color, what family you come from, or what nation you were born in, or what mistakes you've made, let every perfect person lift your hand quickly. Are there any perfect people in here? No? So I'm talking to everyone. No matter what mistakes you've made, if you declare, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to serve him, I'm making him number one in my life, I'm going to live my life to do his will, you have the ability to prosper. It's the power of God that comes into your life to enable you to prosper. Now, believe it. Receive what I'm saying and believe it. There are no limitations to your prosperity. There is nothing too difficult for God. Your case, your life is not too difficult for God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, not the government, it is he, not your employer. It is he who gives you power. Church, that's the Holy Spirit's power working in your life. If you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you have the power to prosper. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now listen to the purpose for the wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. In other words, God has a vision for every generation. It is to establish his covenant what does that mean? That means to restore us to his original intent and purpose through his word. Our covenant is with God through his word. He watches over his word to perform it. There are no limitations in your life except is God number one in your life? Are you committed to doing his will? Are you committed to doing his will his way? Are you getting your life in divine order? Are you living in obedience to the word of God? Now, this is for whosoever believes in him. Remember this. Remember this when the devil says, your life will never change. Remember this when... You look at your family and you see they are really broken and possibly very, very poor. The Lord says, remember this, I've made a covenant with you. I'm your heavenly father and I'm the one who gives you the power to get wealth. No one else can give you the power to get wealth. I'm the one who gives you the power to get wealth and it is by my word and by my spirit. Why do I give you the power to get wealth? Is it 
so that you can say I'm rich? No, it's that he may use you to establish his covenant of blessing in the earth. Blessing you to be a blessing. Everyone put your hand on your heart and say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. That is the reason for godly prosperity. In Genesis 12, 2, the words God, God's making an oath, in other words, establishing the covenant. This is the covenant that we've just spoken about in Deuteronomy 8, 18. This is that covenant. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. How does this work? Psalm 5 and verse 12 in the New King, King James says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. God's blessing, church, produces, it produces wealth, but God's favor produces opportunities for the blessing to work. God's blessing obviously produces wealth, but God said, I will surround you with favor, or I could say opportunities to produce wealth. I will surround you with favor as with a shield. In other words, God says to the covenant person who puts him number one and commits to do his will, he's, he is saying, I will surround you with favor, with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get wealth. God's favor on your life opens doors of opportunity. You know, there are young people in here today who are not yet responsible to have a job, make money, and so on and so forth, or go into business. But we're giving you spiritual keys of, of understanding that you can put to work today. This is not only for the adults, but it's for the young adults as well. I believe one of the greatest hindrances in the nation of Kenya is that people don't believe there are any opportunities here. I was listening to a financial report in America last week, and, and they were saying, We've got 7.1 million jobs going unfulfilled. And America is known as the land of opportunity. Believe me, it's not perfect. But there is opportunity here. But I was, I was speaking with someone just recently, and they said, Pastor Carla, the issue with Kenya is lack of opportunity. But Psalm 512 
you may feel there's not very much opportunity here. But now let's look at supernatural opportunity. Supernatural opportunity that God has reserved for his people. God says, I, because I've got a covenant with you, I will surround you with favor or opportunities. Church, if we're going to increase in 2020, lay hold of favor. You're going to have to lay hold of favor because it is through favor that godly opportunities will find their way to you. So I want you, I understand in the natural, if I looked at it in the natural, I agree, we lack opportunity in Kenya. It's not that people aren't hard workers. It's not that they're not willing to work for the most part, but it is a lack of job opportunities. But our eyes are on God. We have a covenant with him, and he can give us supernatural opportunities to prosper. So God has a purpose for our prosperity because he's got a purpose for your prosperity. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. God's a way maker. <clears throat> so say with me, please, God is sending opportunities my way. Lift up one hand and say, God is sending opportunities my way. I have the favor of God upon my life. God is surrounding me with favor, with opportunities as a shield. I receive divine opportunities to prosper in 2020. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Receive that with joy and blessing. The blessing and favor of God are divinely linked. Blessing and favor are divinely linked and they make a way where there seems to be no way. Now, I want us to pray some prayers because I believe each and every one of us can experience increase in 2020. We pray when we hear the will of God and we act in obedience to the word we've heard. This is the receiving of faith you've heard. Now we pray and we receive the will of God, the word of God that we've heard, and we begin to speak his will. We don't say anymore, I can't find a job. There are no opportunities in Kenya. Uh, we don't know what are we going to do. We're going from bad to worse. No, no, no. Those are not faith confessions. In the face of impossibility, we stand before God and we say, I have divine opportunities in front of me. The favor of God is on my life. 
the favor of God surrounds my life as with a shield. We claim Psalm 512 and we say, the favor of God surrounds me, opportunities surround me as a shield. And we begin to get our faith working with the agreement of the words of our mouth. In other words, our vision to prosper can only be fulfilled when we receive what the Word of God says, not what our circumstances say. And when we receive the Word, remember, God's the God of the impossible. And when we receive the Word of God and our mouth agrees, our heart and mouth agree with the Word of God, and we begin praying opportunity, speaking opportunity, looking for divine favor, anticipating divine favor. And church, we don't let it go for a single day in our life. And so we want to act on the Word we've heard. If you will stand up with me, please. We're going to pray three prayers. Everyone say three prayers. We're going to pray three prayers, and some of it I'm going to lead you in, and then some of it I want you to do privately. So prepare now to release your faith. Hallelujah. The first prayer is a prayer of repentance. And a, a prayer of repentance is where we confess that we've not been in agreement with God. Church, I have to ask this question. Have you been in agreement with God or in agreement with the world? So a prayer of repentance is where we've made the decision. You know what? I am coming out of poverty and agreeing with the word of God. And so I'm, I'm going to ask each one of you right now, just lift your hands before the Lord. Is your heart right with God? What is your attitude right now? Are you frustrated? Are you upset? Are you fretful and worried? I'm going to lead you in a brief prayer. I'm humbling myself. I ask you to humble your heart before God. Let this prayer change your life. And say, Lord, you can pray after me. Say, Lord, I repent for my sin of unbelief. And for the sins of my ancestors... for having ungodly beliefs about money. My heart has been unbelieving. I ask you to forgive me because the truth is you have provided more than enough for me. Forgive me, Lord, for the sin of unbelief. Now, church, do you have anything that comes up in your heart, any ungodly attitudes about money, 
any sayings in your family that you know do not agree with the word of God? Are there any phrases that are commonly used or that you commonly say that do not agree with God's word when he says, I will bless you, I will make you a blessing? What are the words of your mouth? Is it common in your family to say, we don't have enough, we never have enough, uh, we can't afford that. You know, Pastor Davies and I have a way of talking so that, that does not defy faith. Sometimes we say, let's wait on that. In other words, it's very important that because you're judged by every word of your mouth. Are you speaking in agreement with the word of God? Judge what phrases come out of your mouth. Judge how you talk. Do you talk in agreement with the word of God? Or sometimes we say to each other, God will provide this. We don't have it right this moment, but we don't have to say that. But we lay our hands on things and we say, God will provide this. Church, you're going to have to agree with God. So there may be things that come up in your heart for several days that you may find you need to repent. Now, number two, a second prayer we're going to pray is breaking curses. Because curses hinder, curses block, curses prevent. So I want you to say this after me. I break all word curses spoken over me concerning money. I want us to say that again. I break all word curses spoken over me concerning money. I bind and rebuke all evil spirits that have gained a foothold in my life causing lack causing poverty and causing insufficiency I break all agreement with poverty and financial lack I want us to say that again I break all agreement with poverty and financial lack Poverty has no place in me. Let's say that again. Poverty has no place in me. I command demonic forces of poverty and lack and need to leave me right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I rebuke poverty from this day forth. I refuse poverty. I refuse to recognize poverty. I refuse to agree with poverty. 
In the name of Jesus, I break poverty curses off my life, off my family, in Jesus' name. Now I want you to lay your hands on your heart. Put your hand over your heart. And let's pray for our soul. And I want you to say, I break the power. Let's say it like we mean it. I break the power of all ungodly thought patterns and mental strongholds of fear and lack and poverty and worry which tell me I will never have enough. These are lies from the enemy and I command them to leave my soul, leave my thoughts, leave my will, leave my emotions in the name of Jesus. From this day forth, my mind will think thoughts of prosperity, thoughts of plenty. My mind will be filled with the vision that I have now entered the promised land. My mind will be filled with thoughts of the promised land, thoughts of freedom, thoughts of blessing, thoughts of more than enough. I'm in the promised land. I'm in the land of freedom. I'm in the land of more than enough. I'm in the land of increase. I'm in the kingdom of God where there is no want, there is no lack, there is no poverty. I'm free from poverty. I go free from poverty. My heart is filled with abundance in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, lift your hands before God. Receive deliverance today. Receive your freedom from poverty. Father, our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Nothing is too difficult for you. And Father, I thank you for the breaking of all poverty bondages all poverty thinking, every poverty stronghold, every fear that goes with poverty, all the insecurity that goes with poverty. In the name of Jesus, Father, may these strongholds come down. And may our hearts instead be filled with vision from heaven with vision of more than enough, with vision and understanding, with revelation from heaven that we live in the kingdom of God.
And in the kingdom of God, there is no lack, there is no poverty. And so, Father, may the Holy Spirit work this vision in our hearts in Victory Faith Church. The vision of heaven is for us to be in more than enough. We receive the vision of heaven today. We receive the will of our Father who is in heaven today. That you, Father, will give us revelation upon revelation, line upon line, precept upon precept. As we move into 28, 2020, we are moving in to increase in the kingdom of God. We are moving into prosperity. We are moving into a new level of the blessing of God in Jesus' name. And Father, we just thank you that fear flees. Fear flees. Fear of poverty flees from us. Fear of failure flees from us in the name of Jesus. Fear of lack flees from us in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I speak the divine order of heaven over your people. I speak the divine order of heaven over your people, your purposes, your vision, your will. Not what man says has to be, but what thus saith the Lord over your people. May the word of God prosper in our hearts, in this church, in the lives of your people. May the word of God bring us into prosperity. May the work of the Holy Spirit prosper in our midst as we go free just as surely as the day the children of Israel walked out of Egypt free from Pharaoh's bondage. Just as surely as that day happened, this day has happened and we go free just as surely of all poverty, all the spirit of poverty, all the works of poverty, all the words of poverty. We go free today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, lift your hands before heaven and just say, Father, I receive today. I receive the grace of God today to work prosperity in my life from this day forth in Jesus' name. Do you receive it, church? Can you give the Lord praise today? the word. You know what to give thanks to the Lord and the perfect way is really to do it in the Holy Spirit. Just speaking in tongues and praising Him in tongues. Will you just worship the Lord in the Spirit? Thank you Father. Thank you Father. 
Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Prem prestadasteke. Yestari ni proste prosta da badaya. Glory ni prasta. Benstoste bakasta. Oh Lord, your good and your mercy endures forever. Gerani proste bradadiastoshka. Kojande mandesa biastore ni prasta. We praise and worship you, Father, for your deliverance upon our lives. Yebadiare, Rostembre Sadabaya, Dom se Varadia Basto, Yeranibo se Becacaste Proste Badaya, Maneste Bolaste, Glore de Prasta Baca, Mamaneste, Glore de Prasta, Cojonte Predakia da Basta, Preboste. Baste, bacasta, boste, gere de proste, kishari di basta, flore de prasta, every limitation removed, gera de pastore, gangangere de basta, pastor, damande sta de asta, proste biasta, florere de pradasta, devestere de bocostere de boste, kiadaba, geda baste. The release of angels, the release of prosperity angels in our midst. Keda praseva, kera de proste badaya, mandeste prost, keda proste kere de prostais, yedias. Proste basta, calare de proste, vigida baroste che stare de prosta, ade basta, alleluia, alleluia. Father, we thank you, we receive your word, we receive the word of deliverance. We thank you, Father, for the release of the supernatural in helping us walk in your ways, living in your purposes living in the vision and the visions that you've granted to us and you are granting to us new things, Father. We receive provision. We thank you, Father, for angels, angels of prosperity, angels of prosperity dispatched around us, dispatched around us, the favor of God, creating opportunities for your people, Father. We praise and worship you. We praise and worship you. You are the Lord who gives us power to get wealth. We praise and worship you, Father. Thank you for abundance. Thank you for sufficiency. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, for abundance in our midst. We praise and we worship you, Father. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. You receive that? Praise be to God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Hallelujah. 